have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. I am Jason Burmis. This is brought to you by Red Voice Media. Remember, you too can support the broadcast by going premium over at redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. $10 a month keeps the show afloat. Two hours free. One on the tube. One outside of the YouTubins. And Bilderberg 2023. Haven't seen a word haven't seen a thing. Last year, kept it secret up until the day of, which would be today if it's actually happening this weekend, which I'm 99.9% sure it is happening this weekend or I wouldn't be doing this show. I could be getting this one wrong. But Charlie Skelton, um, who has written for The Guardian, among other publications now, and, and is really the only person, even last year, in the mainstream that covered this very, very, very important meeting out there. In, in fact, it's where I really get the terminology that I use all the time, post-truth world, okay? Because they coined it now five years ago at Bilderberg, and they mean it. The post-truth world in which we live, and that post-truth world, by the way, was so bizarrely on display last night at this town hall meeting. Now, before I get into Bilderberg and even the precedence of, I would say, whoever is there again this year is somebody to watch. I, I guess that's a good place to start this. So if you go to the even the Wikipedia page on last year's attendance, who did I tell you that you needed to, to uh, keep an eye on? Well, it was Kristen Cinema. Oh, did we go too far with that? Let's just go to the Christ. Oh, come on. She's there, I promise you. Let's just type in cinema. Because that, that I can actually spell. There it is. Oh, it's Kirsten. There, that, that's why. So, cinema 
all of a sudden breaks apart from the Democratic Party, who, by the way, it's cartoon level. Like, the moderator they had yesterday, I don't even know who she is. This isn't going to make her career. It was really embarrassing. She was a little Leslie Stahl. She's basically Leslie from 60 Minutes for about 60 Minutes. And I would have thought that they were going to stack the audience with lefties, TDS people. They cheered Donald Trump the whole time. The whole time. And they laughed at her. In fact, to show you what a slaughter job this was, and look, I'm going to be honest with you. For what was asked, I agreed with 95, maybe 99% of what Trump said yesterday. It was hard not to agree. His stance on the war in Ukraine was was brilliant. And they kept trying to bully him into saying, okay, what CNN says. Like, it, it, CNN talking points, election denial. You're going to stop that, right? Oh, let's see. I got a little texty. Oh, wow. Nice. Nice. That's great news. Awesome. Awesome news. Very happy about that. So that's kind of breaking right there. Let's, let's break some news here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, whenever I do this sort of thing, uh, I get in touch with the people who I know have been covering Bilderberg for a very long time. Okay. And uh, one of those people would be Rob Dew of InfoWars. And apparently, uh, you're going to get some InfoWars on-the-ground coverage. And they believe it is in Lisbon, Portugal this weekend as well. So, that's pretty awesome. Yep. So, he's got got hotels um, leading up. That's awesome news. Great stuff. And I'm not sure if that means they're going. I, I hope they are going. And it wasn't just like to figure it out. Oh, they can't make it this year. So the breaking news that InfoWars will not be on the scene. Damn. That sucks. That sucks. We need more people covering that stuff, obviously. Hotel is in the first paragraph. Yeah, Skelton is there. Oh, sorry guys. We're doing it live. Thumbs it up. Uh, sub and share. All right. So back to the slaughter job. Um, this, this, it's pretty incredible. I'm not gonna lie. Are you kidding me? I'm gonna have to do this the other way, aren't I? So like, let's open the image in a new tab. There it is. CNN should be ashamed of themselves. They have lost total control of this town hall to again be manipulated into platforming. See, you're not allowed to have free speech. You're not allowed to have a platform. Election disinformation, defenses of January 6th, and a public attack on a sexual abuse victim. The audience is cheering him on and laughing at the host. Got that that right? Yeah, I mean, cheering him on from start to finish. From start to finish. And the way they framed it is crazy. Hey, do. I'd, lo- I- I'd love to have this conversation, but I'm literally live on air for the next two hours. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, feel free to call me after uh, 10 a.m. Central. I'd love to talk to you. All right? Have a good one, brother. I love you. Bye. I love you, too. So there you go. That- that's how we do it. 
um, <laughs> uh, right there. We do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And this thing was live. Like, again, I, I, I'm sh I was shocked that they stacked this audience in New Hampshire. And it shows you real America, by the way. Uh, New Hampshire, yeah, it's the live free or die state, but it's in the northeastern region. It is really how the vast majority of people feel. Um, <laughs> I mean, and it was on display last night. First of all, they laughed at the sexual abuse stuff. And, and there's a reason. The story is pretty unbelievable, if you think about it. And Don, Donnie T, to his credit, went through the whole thing. Everything he talked about, and that's probably going to be the main clip that I play. We're going to play probably the opening so you get an idea of how this woman framed the whole thing. Little Leslie. Okay? Little Leslie frames this thing crazy. Okay? And, and Donnie T still mops. Mops. Uh, applauded. We got to be real about that. We also have to be real on the fact that Donnie T stacked Bilderberg. In uh, 2017, I attended at Chantilly. Had a bunch of people there. Teal, in particular, is a technology advisor, always there uh, under a a board member role, really supervising the whole thing. Um, <laughs> again, cartoon level. But Trump had five people there that year: uh, McMaster's, Liddell, amongst them. Uh, I'm obviously leaving at least two people out. Pompeo and Kush Kush in 2020 were there. Uh, Pompeo was actually escorted by C-SPAN cameras to the boat where Bill Bilderberg wanted the boat that year. They wanted to go to a castle. I mean, again, cartoon level stuff. The real rule, the real rulers of the world, right there. They wanted to get on a boat. Pompeo and knives out Pompeo. Pompeo, by the way, not running for president. Decided to back up. Probably realized, you know, he he pulled like a Skeletor, right? Like like people don't think he's a good guy, and he was one of those guys pumping the propaganda that somehow Donnie T was going to be able to save the day and they were going to expose election fraud. No, we're still in a narrative. You should see how angry, and you will see because we're also going to play this. How angry Jake Tapper is at every response Trump gave, but he mopped. Hey, you can't. Again, even even AOC had to admit he mopped. He destroyed. There's so. I mean, you would have thought he would have had a hostile audience. They would have tried to make it a hostile audience. Here's the thing. I, I guess CNN thought, well, if we keep if we put a bunch of Democratic operatives up there, you know, the people that are are really just promoting the. CNN narrative that really middle America is not listening to. We're talking about 20% and less. It's not half and half. And that's the scary thing is when you hear Dementia Joe, Zombie J, start talking about ultra-maga Republicans, every single thing Donnie T said there was reasonable. The only thing that I would say was kind of over the top and unreasonable, 24 hours. 24 hours. We're going to find a way out of this conflict. No matter what, Ukraine, Russia, it's not going to be in 24 hours. I do think he could probably get it done in a week. And why, and why do I think it's going to take less or more time than 24 hours? I think he could come to some general agreements, but there will obviously be pushback probably from Zelensky. Okay? I, I would assume that 
Russia is going to want some guarantees too, especially regarding NATO. They don't want Donnie T back in. Because if he does come back in, he is coming back with a vengeance. The question is, is he actually going to stand up against these guys? Is he not going to put a cabinet full of deep state dipshits all up in there? Okay, but they had to acknowledge, number one, he's the front runner. Everything they said he had an answer for. He's like, my polls went up after I just got convicted of sexual abuse. He didn't outright say that he would pardon all January 6th defendants. But he said that very early on, that's one of the first things he would start to do, a large majority of them. And when asked about the Proud Boys in particular, and, and by the way, I mean, unfortunately, that is their best hope. That, uh, I told everybody they were going to be convicted. And if you don't think the judge is going to sentence them to max or close to max of, of every charge, you, you haven't been paying attention. So like, the appeals process takes forever, and Donnie T said it best last night. You can't get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Okay, Donnie T, that's where they want to bring Assange. That's where you failed to stop the illegal charges and extradition against him. But they don't even want to give like Assange a real court. They want to have like a show trial via like military tribunal style on Mr. Espionage. What? For telling the truth. For telling the truth. And, and in particular, the document stuff is so over the top. It doesn't say that, Mr. President. She kept telling, again, Leslie Stahl style. And he, he would catch her. So, for instance, when they talk about Pence, and, and this is a key moment. This is when you know it really, Donnie T's got a captive audience. The vast majority of the people, if not, I would say in that audience, you're talking at least 70 80% who think the 2020 election were stolen, period. Now, am I allowed to say that on YouTube just by observation that they felt that way? And they talk about Pence basically having the ability to reject the outcome and have it go back to the states, okay, and start auditing the votes. This is in the Constitution. It's absolutely there. It's there on purpose because... Corrupt elections have happened through human history forever. Forever. <laughs> of course, and she says, no, I've read it. It doesn't say that. And then she starts talking about how they had to fortify the law more. He's like, no, they used talking points and manipulation, and then they had to what? Go and stop that from happening next time and act like it didn't exist. Magic. David Blaine style. And with that, with that David Blaine style, a word from our sponsor. Have you heard of Executive Order 14067? This little-known order implemented the digital dollar, the most sinister plan to control your spending. And it gets worse. In November, the federal government and banks began a test program to roll out the digital dollar. With this, privacy for all Americans will be lost forever. Imagine, the government can now track all of your spending. The government can tell you what you can and can't buy. The government could confiscate your cash. When digital currency was rolled out in China, Bloomberg wrote, quote, this will lead to control like no other, end quote. 
The EU has announced that they are next, but it is already happening in America, which makes this wealth protection guide that American Alternative Assets just put out even more urgent. Project Hamilton, as this secret order is being called, might be the scariest order to happen to privacy and freedom in America since its founding, which makes this wealth protection guide so incredibly valuable right now. Move your money out of cash and into something that doesn't infringe on your privacy. You see, there is one legal IRS-proof loophole that could protect your IRA, 401k, and pension savings with gold and silver. And this free guide tells you exactly which steps you need to take right now to move part of your IRA or 401k into precious metals with no tax consequences. As this program rolls out, the sky's the limit for the level of government control that could be enforced on your money. Protect your savings and your privacy. But in the devastation ahead, American Alternative Assets is offering you something rare, a chance to protect your wealth and possibly even grow it. All right, folks, I want to do it like this. I'll, I want to show the clips from the CNN town hall, uh, especially in regards to the intro, especially in regards to the classifications and the documents, because Trump's also right that it's not like he just ran off with documents. And, and the NARA, um, which is the National Archives, I, I, I personally have an experience with the National Archives and presidential records and a president's home uh, that I will never forget in my life, okay? One of the reasons is that I, I do really love history. I think it, history is fascinating. I was really lucky that being in upstate New York, uh, a lot of history happened in that northeastern region, New York and Pennsylvania in particular, and we would go on field trips, especially my AP class, to really interesting spots. And one of those places, uh, you know, was the Franklin Roosevelt home. And one of the things that specifically stays in my mind. Now, one of the reasons I also vividly remember this experience now from the time I was a junior is uh, my father had died the day before. And, you know, I probably shouldn't have gone to school, but I really didn't want to miss this. And what was I going to do? Just, you know, sit and, you know, mourn and feel sorry for myself all day. I figured I might as well go to this. So I, I'm, I remember just like a heightened sense of that day, right? It was like things were sinking in. And we get to a point where the person who's touring us, and notice that historical documents, first presidential library, and he talked about the process of declassification and how they had the archives there and specifically talked about how he thought it was a good thing that the government could withhold records and not tell us everything. Ah, I think that's fair. You know, even as prodding and, and putting the idea into, you know, I'm 16 years old at the time. There are just certain things that you're always going to be treated like a child for. And that's okay. Look at, look at the pretty estate. Look at how great Roosevelt was. And one of the other places that I, I, I specifically remember visiting, and maybe this, this is one of the ones, again, I, I think about a lot because you look at the aristocracy, you look at the predator class, the robber baron class, the big names, 
you know, the, the families, the nepotism. And one of those is obviously the Vanderbilts. And I went to the Vanderbilt mansion as well, a masterpiece in design. In fact, one of the other things I was going to show from a, an adult is a trip I took with Rob Dew as an adult um, for Alex Jones, where we were out in California doing stuff on geoengineering and solar radiation manage management and what some people call chemtrails, but I would call prolonged jet contrails. Um, we went to the Hearst Castle, which is a, a sprawling, like they have three different tours, sprawling estate, take a bus up to, had its own farm. That, I mean, it's pretty wild. Like, when I say farm, there's like wild animals that are kind of fenced in. Um, Vanderbilt also is interesting to me because my documentary films, of which I actually worked with Rob on some of them, uh, I would get archives from the Vanderbilt television archive. Still a great tool. I wish they had an online uh, archive. A lot of places do have online, online archives. But what's really great about them is they've archived all this news and news footage from every single day, every single major media network, I think back into at least the 60s, possibly the 50s, where I got a lot of stuff. So I know that Trump is telling the truth when he says, look, this, this wasn't a big deal. And then he brings up the Biden documents in stark contrast, which I believe may be a backdoor into getting him not to run in 2024 and putting somebody else in there just having him step down or if he doesn't want to step down and not run or they don't want him there, they always have um, his classified documents in the bag. They can talk about it being a nonpartisan issue. There's a stark contrast. His documents, okay, weren't taken as president. I don't even care about the secure locations and who, was, who had them and they were in his garage with the Corvette. He wasn't the president. <laughs> he took him as the vice president. It's completely illegal. It, and that's the big stark contrast. But again, they, they raid Trump's home. They put out that picture, the famous picture. We, we got him. We got him again. <laughs> and it's just all Johnny mother trucking nonsense. So let me... uh. Let me cue this up in the background and we're going to we're going to play this. Don't worry folks, we're going to play sections of my films, Shade the Motion Picture and Invisible Empire, a new world order defined so we can really talk about Bilderberg and the true power structure. But I I truly do believe that the Bilderberg group, okay, the va they don't want Donnie T cuz he's not ESG, he's not SDG. ESG SDG is that the new rap jam Jason no he's not okay on this equity sustainability train uh train we've played it is he perfect absolutely not does he have huge problems yes he does do I wish somebody would have put him on the spot of his failure of Assange yes 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 100% but let's let's cue this up as I'm ranting and raving here because I because I, I want people to see how they did this it, it's it's just so wild, man. Here we go. Welcome to New Hampshire, the first GOP primary state. 
We're live here at St. Anselm College for CNN's Town Hall with former President Donald Trump. I'm Caitlin Collins. Tonight, President Trump is here as he embarks on a campaign unlike any other in the history of U.S. presidential elections. He's the first former president in more than a century to seek a return to the White House, and he is currently leading the Republican field while also facing multiple criminal investigations and an indictment. Just yesterday, he was found liable for sexual abuse and defamation. No questions are off the table, and we agreed to no conditions. We're here to get voters the answers that they deserve. Our audience is made up of Republicans and undeclared voters who plan to take part in New Hampshire's Republican primary. They'll get the chance to question the former president directly. These voters and the issues that they care about the most will help decide if former President Trump will get a second chance to take on President Joe Biden. Please welcome the frontrunner for the Republican nomination, former President Donald Trump. Standing ovation. Now, frames it up like he's a criminal and a liar and goes right into your criminal and a liar from, from the outset. I want to point that out. 100%. <laughs> and they get a standing ovation. I get it. It's Republicans and independents. But come on. Give me a break. So I want to fast forward here. I want to just get to the documents one. Because the documents exchange is kind of incredible. Okay. At one point, he calls her a very nasty person. And only Donnie T could get away with stuff like this. When it gets to the end of the debate, maybe within a 10-minute within a period, not even, of him calling a very nasty person, he shakes her hand again at the end and says, you did a good job. <laughs> or, or, good job, good job. Like, <laughs> if Trump wasn't a politician before he ran and won, won the presidency, he certainly is today. But again, this this exchange is pure gold. But you know who took him more than anybody is Joe Biden. He has 1,800 boxes, and nobody even knows where they are. 1,800, and nobody talks about him. Mr. President, and they put a rough guy on us. Again, she's little Leslie Stahl. No, that's not accurate. That's not true. She's going to tell her Al Nara is bipartisan, always jibbing and jabbing. There is no evidence. No, no, no. And they, in the I meantime, think it's important, they have Mr. Nobody. President, to actually set the record straight here. They took documents, including President or Vice President Pence. When they realized they had documents, they turned them back over. The difference is that oh. you waited to turn yours over, and it was Excuse a year-and-a-half effort that included... Excuse me. Excuse me. Can I talk? Excuse me. ...a subpoena... With those documents, it, one question about what happened when you had those documents. It included a raid on my house. That's what it included. But they you didn't raid. A, you'd gotten a they subpoena didn't raid and they Biden's had not house. been turned over yet. They didn't raid Biden's house. You know what happened? He, they put him in the house. That's the one with the Corvette, where the documents were laying all over the floor. That was fine. <laughs> and you know who ha happens to be at Mar-a-Lago? Secret Service, and they're phenomenal. 
I have Secret Service. He didn't have Secret Service. The other thing, the Vice President cannot declassify. He didn't have the right to declassify. 100%. He has documents from when he was a senator. And even Democrat senators say, I can't believe it. No, I went by the Presidential Records Act. That's not and what we the were negotiating with NARA. That's not what it says. You're a liar. Wah. Yes, it is what it says. The presidential, as soon as the president wants to declassify something, okay, whether you like it or not, boom, done. Dunzy. Dunzio. It happens. Just like that, Jack. No. 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 She knows better. She's in a white pantsuit. She works for CNN. That's not what it says, and Mr. NARA President. has red flagged a thing called the Constitution. Look at the little Joker lip face thing. You notice that? Like, even when she's mad, she got like the little Joker lip, like the Jack Nicholson Joker. Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights because they consider them Mr. dangerous President, that's documents. that's not what it so says, and, the I should know, and I should note that there is a special counsel investigating your document situation, also President Biden's document situation. When it comes to your documents, did you ever show those classified documents to anyone? Not really. I would have the right to. By the way, they were declassified what do you mean, not really? after. They were declassified after I took them because I was the president. What don't you understand? Again, this is talking point drama. This is their narrative, and every single question is will you bend the knee to our narrative? Everyone, every question. Bend the knee to our narrative. And he's like, what are you talking about? I, I, not that I can think of. Let me just tell you, I have the absolute right to do whatever I want with them. I have the right. I was negotiating with NARA. Do you know what NARA is? The National Archives. Extremely, but you extremely don't left group of them. people. Extremely left. And I was negotiating with they're them. All left, of a sudden, they're, they're, they're not left. They're bipartisan. Everything's bipartisan. I'm, that's another, unfortunately, again, I hate even getting into right-left paradigm but that's a democratic talking point anything they're pushing is bipartisan it's a bipartisan bill bullshit again take a look at that crowd they think this guy's a superstar it's just it's reality okay uh, we have we have to acknowledge what's right in front of our face now we're going to come back to this after a word from our sponsor. Remember, second hour over at the RVM Rumble, rvmrumble.com. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear, dog Whoa, whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at mypillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. Once they're gone, they're gone. Use that promo code RVM. I'm just kind of looking through some of the comments in there. I, I saw one about uh, dementia gel 
and how like at least Trump doesn't Trump didn't stutter or stammer or have a senior moment once. And he's looking a lot older than he was before. Period. He he actually he looks up to the game. I, I just wanna point that out and say that that's real. We should also acknowledge that. And then I was uh, reading in the uh, comments about a mentorship. I'm not quite sure. Look, some of the people that Trump has uh, done business with, obviously Epstein's unsavory, Roy Cohn, especially. Uh, you know, Whitney Webb loves to point out like how corrupt Roy Cohn was, and I've watched several documentaries on the guy. Pretty wild story. Um, as far as a Mason, I see that he's a 33rd degree Mason. I, I don't know that he's a Mason at all. Is he? Is Maybe there's some evidence of that. I know he went to West Point. That doesn't mean I'm a Mason. You know, I'm just... just if, if that's somewhere, somewhere need, someone needs to send me that whole, he's a 33rd degree Mason. I don't know if that really changes my opinion on Donnie T. It's not like my opinion is super high. Uh, but once again, manhandling this woman, telling the truth about the documents. You, you, what you won't hear from her is his failure to declassify the JFK documents twice that he promised. Like, that's a real question. Like, he, that's what he should have. They should have taken those documents home. Boy, that would have really pissed him right off. That See, then he would be facing criminal charges. They would, they'd find a way via some Espionage Act nonsense. But I think they're, they're already trying to find a way. Again, they're trying to frame him as a criminal in this uh, narrative. Let's go back to Downey T. They raided my house. They didn't raid the house of Joe Biden. They didn't raid Obama. But Joe Biden didn't ignore a subpoena to get those documents back like Joe you Biden did. And took so that's 1850 the question. But that's the question that investigators have, I think, is why you held on to those documents when you knew the federal government was seeking them and then had given you a subpoena to return them. Are you them. ready? Are you ready? Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the okay, question. Okay, it's very simple to that's answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to you're a nasty person, I'll tell you. Can you answer why you, why you held on to the documents? I was negotiating. I mean, it's a laugh out loud cartoon moment. That's why I asked the question. I watched the answer. That's why that's why I asked the question. I mean he's standing three feet from her. <laughs> and just I mean, laying her out. And the crowd knows it. The crowd knows who this person is. During the interview, he talks about them having an agenda. Uh, if they really, first of all, this is the biggest thing for ratings they've done in years at this point. For real. Like, probably at least two, three years. And it's the biggest ratings get they're going to have. But it could have been even bigger if they streamed it on YouTube, which they did not do. They did not do that. Uh, I want you to think about that. YouTube is where the audience is. It's This is easily a video that if they put on YouTube in full, gets 10 to 100 million views. They didn't do it. Why? Because they want to put their own clips out there with their own commentary cut up, okay, and try to spin their narrative. Their narrative. I'm going to let him finish up, and then I want to go to the very end of it, um where they wrap it up. He actually shakes her hand after telling her she's a nasty person. And then Jake Tapper, um, the way he sounds off to Anderson Cooper, shows you how detached from reality these people truly are. Again, Bilderberg 2023 looks like this weekend, Lisbon, Portugal. Let's get back to Donnie T.
And we were talking to NARA, that's Washington, to bring whatever they want. They can have whatever they want. When we left Washington, we had the boxes lined up on the sidewalk outside for everybody. People are taking pictures of them. Everybody knew we were taking those boxes. And the GSA, the government service, the GSA was the one taking them. They brought them down to Mar-a-Lago. We were negotiating with NARA. All of a sudden, they raid our house. When Biden had his documents, he won't give back the 1,850 boxes. And you're going to find some real gems in there. But it was so Biden who alerted them that he had the documents. Of, the National Archives reached of, out to you to get your documents back. Why did you not turn them over when you got a subpoena because we asking were negotiating for you to turn them over? Them. We were negotiating with them as per as per the Presidential Records Act. We were negotiating with NARA. That's not what Very the Presidential nice people, Records Act says. I've but they've got to love our Constitution a little bit more. Because, and they shouldn't red flag it, by the way. Very nice people. We were negotiating with NARA. And that's what the Presidential Records Act says, because Richard Nixon, surprisingly, had problems. And he had a lot of problems dealing with NARA. And they ended up passing legislation well, called the Presidential the Records Act, just for this kind of a thing. We were dealing with them. We were talking. Excuse me. Subject, wait a minute. Mr. Wait, President. wait, wait. We were talking to them. We would have done it, but all of a sudden they raided the house. Now, why haven't? Why hasn't the FBI raided Biden? But I just explained. Uh, I just explained to you why they had raided Biden. Again, it's a joke. His own Justice Department had the Biden laptop and did nothing. His own Justice Department had the Wiener laptop after the fact and did nothing. 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 That's what he should be pointing out. That's what he's not good at. All right. He's when, when they stop him and try to debunk him, he has to be Johnny on the spot with the part in the Presidential Records Act that allows him to have the documents. All right. The subsection and the whole nine. Just like when, when she says there's no election fraud, he's got to talk about more than just the on videotape and the audit system. He did talk about voter registration, and he talked about paper ballots, uh, and he talked about the corruption of the machines very briefly. Needs to focus on that much more. Should be focusing on uh, the Baker-Carter um, uh, commission that most people pointed to the mail-in ballots. He briefly talked about that too. The machines, the machines, the machines. The machines are the most dangerous part. So let me, let, let me just get to the very end here. Because this guy like acted like he was stumping for Disney. And after that, that's the end of it right here. I mean, people are, hey, 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 I'm Donnie T over here. Okay, so let's let her wrap it up. Little Leslie. Little Leslie. Uh, and then watch Donnie T shake her hand after telling her she's a nasty person. Again, within, within less than 10 minutes of that. Here tonight, this is an important conversation with voters to hear and to have. Thank you to our audience and to our host, <laughs> Boy, Saturday. Saturday. Anselm Collins. CNN's coverage continues with Anderson Cooper and Jake Tapper. The Trump you. point. Now keep watching. Again, standing up. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. So look, say what you will about the guy. He's become a politician. He's incredibly popular. They have a narrative. Uh, I'm gonna play you that narrative right now, but like, like right here, <laughs> he's having a blast up there. But let's hear what Tapper has to say. College in Manchester, New Hampshire, tonight's CNN Town Hall, moderated by Caitlin Collins. The first of the 2024 presidential campaign is now in the books. Good evening from New York. 
Oh, from Washington, and it was an interesting night. Uh, Mr. Trump's first lie was told just seconds into the night with his false familiar claim that the 2020 election was, quote, a rigged election. And the falsehoods kept coming fast and furious about the January 6th insurrection, about the threat to Vice President Pence, about Pence's ability to overturn the election, about COVID, about the economy, and more. He called a black law enforcement officer a thug. Uh, he, he, he rightly called out the guy that assassinated Ashley Babbitt and had nothing to do with race. He, that, I, but boy, we'll bring race into it. We found a way. We found a way. He condemned a murderer. A murderer who got off and was celebrated by the media. Gross. Gross. And look, Pence was not... Nobody, nobody in that building was under physical threat. Let's, let's stop the imagination land, okay? Period. Let's stop with the imagination land. He said people here in Washington, D.C. at Chinatown don't speak English. He attacked Caitlin as a nasty woman because she was trying to get him. <sighs> Again, they're trying to make it about race. Um, he was talking about the movement of the Biden documents, some of which are supposedly in Chinatown. Now, anybody who has been to urban areas in major cities, be it New York or Los Angeles or Chicago, there are small sects of that population generally that go to that area to be amongst other immigrants that speak the same language. Some of them acclimate over the years and speak the language quickly. Some of them don't. Some of them don't speak that language. But again... Jake Tapper's here to fact check. He's the tapster. To answer a question, perhaps most chillingly, the day after a nine-person jury of his peers in New York found him liable for sexual battery and defamation and ordered him to pay writer E. Jean Carroll $5 million, he made fun of her account of her sexual assault. And many in the audience laughed. Because the, the, the narrative of it is absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And look, Trump was funny when he was describing it. What, what do you want me to say? Like, as per her account, it does seem extremely ludicrous. All right? So so let's go from, from the tapster here to Van Jones. And the next thing, you know, Van Jones talks about throwing Ukraine under the bus. He did the right thing. He refused to call Putin a war criminal. He said, look, there can be no winners here. Too many people have already died. Let's stop the death. How about that? How about that? I, I, we are in agreement on that, Donnie T. I mean, it, uh, unreformed, uh, unrepentant, unimproved, uh, rerun, rerun Donald. Uh, and if you're watching this, trying to figure out what's going to happen to America, you should be very worried. He threw Ukraine under the bus. Just throw him under the bus. So a vote for this guy is a vote for a Putin victory. Period. Point blank. You can't get away from that. He would not say that he wouldn't pardon people who've been convicted in U.S. courts of seditious conspiracy. A criminal thug group called the Proud Boys. That's an easy no. I'm not going to pardon traitors. He wouldn't even give you that. He I would pardon traitors. I mean, this narrative... Van Jones knows what he's doing right here. But he's the $10 million Bezos man. They, they, they pay him the big bucks. David Axelrod up there. Old, old Coops. 
Old Coops to do. He, the Coops loves the Vanderbilts. That's his bloodline, baby. Called the black police officer a thug. He talked about Chinatown. All the dog whistles are there. This is rerun Donald. No improvement. No reflection. No repentance. No remorse. And that's what you're voting for if you vote for this. Apparently, it's incredibly popular. Just want to point that out. It's incredibly popular. The guy's getting standi- standing O's and doing the victory lap after the CNN town hall where he destroys little Leslie. Calls her a nasty person to a standing O. I mean, come on. You have to acknowledge those things. So when we get into the last segment of the YouTube hour, the censored hour to some extent, we're going to go uncensored, okay? If you are a premium subscriber, I want to say thank you. I think that this weekend's premiums obviously are going to be uh, Bilderberg heavy. Okay, I'm not announcing who I've got yet, but it looks like they're going to be Bilderberg heavy, and then we're going to be running uh, small bits and pieces throughout the week. But if you want the full interview, the 30 to 60 minute interview, please consider supporting the broadcast. Tell them Jason Burma sent you. Redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Sign up there. That's how you're getting two, two, two extra interviews every single week. I love RVM. Uh, a lot of people complain about the commercial breaks. I don't mind a quick commercial break. And we got to support the broadcast somehow. Second hour. Going over to the Red Voice Media Rumble, look for the big RVM live stream, and that's how you're going to find that second hour. And now, a word from our sponsor. Folks, we have a huge problem on our hands. A banking crisis is spiraling, and it's all thanks to the current administration's reckless spending sky-high inflation, and massive interest rate hikes. Now, these banks are suffering, and guess what? They can legally seize your savings without notice to bail themselves out. That's right. Thanks to a sneaky law passed back in 2008, it's now legal for banks to take your hard-earned money, including your retirement savings, to save themselves. Now, this could leave your retirement accounts decimated and you paying the price for their disastrous policies. Take action now before it's too late. Now this guide will show you how to defend your money and keep your retirement savings safe from the banking crisis and the current administration's financial fiasco. This simple and 100% legal strategy may help you protect your retirement against higher taxes, soaring inflation, and a volatile economy. So don't let your golden years be ruined by someone else's mistakes. To secure your free wealth protection guide and safeguard what's rightfully yours. Don't wait. The time to act is now. All right, let's shift gears here in this uh, final segment in the first hour. Back to Bilderberg. Um, There was one article I could find that had Bilderberg in it. Henry Kissinger says he wants to call attention to the dangers of AI the same way he did for nuclear weapons, but warns it's a totally new problem. And uh, this is just from a few days ago. It's fortune. I couldn't read it. Why? Because it's under a paywall. But how did I find it then? And, And by the way, you see this. He's discussing the 2016 Bilderberg meeting and artificial intelligence and talks about how it was a main focus back then. So here's Fortune acknowledging the power structure, acknowledging the power of the Bilderberg group, uh, something that I really do believe that we obviously need to do. 
I'm going to play uh, this segment here from the beginning of my film, uh, Shade the Motion Picture. Just the, the first segment. I want to say all the documentary films are free and playlists all over. Thumbs them up, subscribe, share, share them in email chains, especially with this weekend being Bilderberg. I think that it's imperative for people to see Shade the Motion Picture and Invisible Empire, a new world order to find for these reasons. Uh, so with that being said, let's get to uh, this shade section right here. Okay, boom. Okay, and we are live. The one thing I will say that the past 50 years has given me, I would say that nothing in this world works the way you think it does. Nothing. Governments do not operate the way you think they do. Banks do not do what you think they do. The police department is not here for what you think it is. Nothing in your world works the way you think it does. There's a far higher, bigger picture. All right, we're at the airport. We're gonna be getting ready to go through TSA. Well, we're at uh, TSA right now, and just as I figured, they're searching my bag as we speak. Welcome to America. Hey, we just drove through the Westfields Marriott. We made the loop right by the hotel entrance. Actually went onto the property. And this is the hotel where it's all going to occur. The globalists are incredibly dangerous. The status quo means giving in to eugenics, death, and world government. The only way you can get back our freedoms is by fighting the oppressors. And the oppressors are here. A lot of the uh, press is uh, owned by some of the uh, attendees inside of here. Uh, instead of just harping on them and begging them to cover this, screw it, we are the new mainstream media. The, the people inside basically uh, set the agendas and tell them not to report on it. We are here, we are documenting everything live. Uncut, unedited. Alright, we're at the uh, Bilderberg conference and the police are getting kind of weird. <laughs> This is what we're reduced to. I mean, it's just trying to catch glimpses of people in, uh, you know, hiding behind the Financial Times in the back of their limo, which is. It's not great. And they will be defeated. And they know it, and they're starting to run scared, and they should be, because information is power. And the truth is setting us free. 
1954, a group of industrialists, political elites, and even royalty set out to form an organization that would essentially pull the strings of society from behind the scenes. The Bilderberg Group is a group of world leaders, CEOs, heads of banking institutions that meet every year and decide what's going to happen throughout that next year. The media has largely ignored this organization over the past 50 plus years and even today when it is mentioned, it's mentioned in a manner in which you shouldn't be asking about it. Not everyone in the media, however, is in on it. It's kind of this sense that they get of what not to talk about, what may be considered to be taboo. Well, I'm here uh, in my capacity as a journalist, um, covering it for the, this event for the London Guardian. I remember you were sent down here, uh, what, like two or three years ago to Bilderberg for the first time? Yeah, 2009. Four? And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so uh, I, I thought it'd be funny, you know. I, I came, I said, you know, this, no one covers this, maybe I should go along and maybe it'll be a laugh. And it turned into an absolute nightmare. I got chased around Athens by, and ended up wrestling a secret policeman and a subway station, it was mental. Because the mainstream media in the United States has never covered it until now. Running for four years overseas really started breaking it. That was a big deal when you guys were covering four years with Charlie Skelton. At first, a little bit laughingly, then he got harassed, arrested, and all this was really real. And media said it didn't exist to him. So, so, it's the fact that they play that Jedi mind trick, but this doesn't exist. The mainstream media is now acknowledging that these world leaders are meeting, except for there's nothing to worry about. They're not doing anything sinister, even though they meet behind closed doors. Instead of being humble and saying, you know, I don't know the whole truth, we never do as journalists, all we could do is try to ask questions and do our research. And that's very important for journalists to do. To act like you know everything and to act like what you know is the most important thing is pretty much the attitude of the mainstream media. They kind of just sit there and repeat what it is being shown on the television screen rather than thinking for themselves. We've been programmed to believe certain things. We've been programmed to when we hear certain buzzwords, we immediately close ourselves off to that information. The guys in here are deciding on foreign policy. These are the people who are setting the price of gold, setting the price of oil, um, deciding who's going to be presidents, who's going to be prime ministers. They operate in the shadows. They do not want to be seen. They don't want anybody to know that they are here. One of the Bilderberg members, attendees, regulators over this publicly has called for internet ID so, so they can start the taxing of that and the tracking that's what China uses. You know we went up, we just drove up to the security now and press we showed up press cards and said can you show us to the press center and uh, yeah no there's no press center can we, can we speak to someone who could represent the the organization to the press no that's not available. Resolutely failing to um, nurture any kind of proper and grown-up uh, relationship with the press which is just the people of the planet are waking up and getting past the puppets. This is about saying, hey, the puppets in D.C. are just front men. The powerful elite hide behind the curtain of government. They hide behind the wall, the facade of government. And really, they're just a tiny dot that control the masses. These are the shadow masters. These are the people that actually decide who runs and wins in office. Tony Blair, two years before, he came from nowhere to become prime minister. He was here and basically was certified. Bill Clinton, little-known governor, comes here in 91, really fast-tracked, they like it. 
it's on. Countless others, John Edwards, Gordon Brown, John Kerry. Uh, Obama was here four years ago. We talked to our sources inside, did a song. We're big on talking about how we can elect our leaders. Yes, we can elect our leaders, but you can't select your leaders. You don't select anyone. Your masters who own you will select who will run. That's all they want to know. Just which one do you like best? It doesn't mean much of anything. The rule of the few, oligarchy, is on the whole the most common in human history. Through a long legacy, incrementalism, and perseverance, the globalists have managed to sprinkle their people in, essentially salt their people in to various governmental positions worldwide. They plan wars, they plan money inflation, they plan deflation. My estimate is there are about 30 million Americans who really need a job and who can't get one. So, uh, depression level. This is a depression. This is as bad or worse than the depression of the 1930s. They plan collapses. They plan takeovers of rogue nations. They want an organized, controlled system of humans are manipulated. They want the resources controlled by tiny, oligarchical elites. You know, Superman in one of the movies said he stands for the American way, freedom, liberty, and justice for all. Well, I like what Dick Gregory said, you're no longer free or brave. You might want to, for the first time in your life, start thinking seriously about where you're going and where your country is going and what's going to happen to your children and your grandchildren when you wake up one day to discover your freedoms are gone, your country is gone, your protections that were guaranteed to you as a citizen are gone. Well, it's outrageous. Our government's been taken over by the military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us about his farewell address in 61. Our money's being taken. They're announcing 30,000 drones, armed drones, to surveil us. The CIA says they're listening to our phones now without warrants. The real leaders are going to talk now. Mommy and Daddy are going to talk now. And when they come out of the meeting, it's always wars, economic despair, and eugenics. I haven't seen anything good come out of the Bilderberg Group. As a global elite are escalating their agendas, we have to equally uh, bring up our efforts to uh, document these events, cover these events, and uh, make sure that the Bilderberg Group gets exposed for what they're doing inside there. Before I speak right here about the importance of alternative media, how spot on was Jordan Maxwell, rest in peace, in that clip. Seri think about it. how spot on was he in that clip? How spot on was the young lady right before me? How about Dan Dix? How about Luke Radowski really becoming, you know, a, a juggernaut? in alternative media over the last decade plus. You know, this film, again, put out April uh, 15th, 2013. It's free out there. Um, I, I think you can still get Shade, the DVD, from uh, Shepard if you're looking for a hard copy. When we come back uh, on the other side of the hour, the uh, uncensored part over on rvmrumble.com, or just go to Rumble, look for RVM, look for the big live stream we're gonna 
play some more of this, and then we're also going to play a subsection of Invisible Empire and New World Order Defined, where I talk about some of the other organizations, whether it was the League of Nations in the beginning, into the CFR, into the Trilateral Commission, where we start, and then into uh, the Bilderberg uh, Group, where we get into even more of its origin story. That's another uh, big-picture film so with that being said, uh, one last word from our sponsor. We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi-Fi while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing, your location, your connection completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish. RVN or RVMVPN.com. All right, YouTube, you know the drill. Um, we'll see you over at the uncensored portion on Rumble. Remember, if you want to support the broadcast, um, it is uh, Red Voice Media dot com slash uncensored by the way i i got i forgot about this two other tips that they didn't come up on my phone yesterday hemp car and jenny thank you so much uh for tipping over at the rockfin wanted to get that out there as well okay we'll see you later youtube we're done skiing hutch over there on the tube done uh with that being said let's get back to this subsection of shade the motion picture this is the opener hopefully this makes you want to go see the rest of the movie. Okay, because, so again, big, big, big parts of the film on eugenics, Bill Gates, weather modification, Warren Buffett, stuff we've been going over this week. Bilderberg, still, on their own website, has not acknowledged whether this is taking place this weekend, and today would be the day, this afternoon in particular, where people would be arriving in Lisbon, Portugal. Okay, so let's go back to this shade the motion picture uh, section where you're going to see a young Jason Burmis. Oh, so young. Oh, so young. Just oh, so young. ...and less relevant over the years and will continue to become less and less relevant as technology emerges for you and me to bring this information to the masses to thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. Because technology, once again, is that avenue of upward mobility that would allow somebody to challenge your status as an oligarch, right? The Financial Times of London writer, who's a foreign editor, who wrote Now for World Government, saying, yeah, we're authoritarian, yeah, we were secret, it's for your own good, we know best. He's here today. The only presence here are people that literally say, I want authoritarian world government. He actually wrote that. He said, yes, we're secret, yes, we're authoritarian, because we know best. At the top of the pyramid, it's a neo-feudalistic fascist model that uses socialism on the ground to communalize and get people dependent. So it's like a false socialism. But the public thinks they're buying into it as a way to you know, lift up the poor and stuff, but it's really designed to implode societies and to create a post-industrial world controlled by them. We just have to let them know that their world government has been identified and they thought they'd implode the world economy to bring in a worldwide police state, but instead it's going to bring them down! We are going to be in very serious trouble because we are ill-informed, unread, undisciplined, and have been taught to 
bow down and, and curtsy before royalty. If you're an oligarch, you say, I get to rule. Why should you get to rule? Are you smarter than this guy over here? I have a technician who can do things you can't do. Why should you rule? What is it about you? Well, my family, my antiquity. Maybe that's not good enough. If we have a society where people believe in technology and science, they will not tolerate oligarchical domination. If we don't stand up and take the responsibility for ourselves to stop this globalist agenda, we're looking at a world where our children don't understand what freedom is. We're already seeing that world now. The children born post 9-11 don't understand what it's like to live without the NDAA, without the Patriot Act. You have left your government in the hands of other people to take care of things for you because you're too busy with your everyday life. Well, when you leave your personal business and your children and your life in the hands of someone else to take care of you, they're going to take care of you all right. Whatever decisions they make, they're going to take care of themselves, not you. Because you left yourself in their care, they will decide what you will eat. They will decide what you will wear. They will decide if you will have a job or not. I will decide how much you will make. And you can bet that I'm going to make a thousand times more than you do. Who attends Bilderberg? Pretty interesting. In Bilderberg, we have an organization that goes back to 1954. Now that original generation is mostly gone, obviously. Um, Prince Bernard of Holland was able to hang on until 1975 when he was uh, knocked out of the picture by the Lockheed scandal, which was a story of um, bribes that had been paid to foreign politicians. One thing, the reason they want to be secret is the Lockheed scandal in the 70s. They're really worried because they're doing a bunch of arms deals in there. It was kickbacks on the Hercules C-130 transport plan that had been sold all over the world. Right now what we see is that some of the most famous people in Bilderberg are now getting on in years, right? We have David Rockefeller who has been financing in particular the North American side, but really the whole thing with his money and his deep uh, checkbook. David Rockefeller, who many argue is one of the top globalists in the world, although aging and maybe on his last legs, has really been the face of the Rockefeller family and globalization for quite some time. In fact, in his own book, he states that he and his family are part of a secret cabal that is actually trying to achieve one world government outside of the best interests of the United States. Why should David Rockefeller, a certifiable cretin, get to dominate the political choices of the political party? Henry Kissinger is now going around in a wheelchair, as far as I can see, also quite aged. Many people are unaware of the Kissinger-Rockefeller connection. Now Kissinger, of course, is an ex-Secretary of State, a winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, somebody who's been in the public eye for the better part of 40 or 50 years. Now Rockefeller meets Kissinger at the Council on Foreign Relations and is extremely impressed. So much so that he gets Kissinger to head up the Rockefeller Brothers Fund. David and Henry have maintained that relationship over several decades since. I never mentioned the, the US government or the administration. I don't even use that word. There is an invisible government whose visible head is the Council on Foreign Relations in Manhattan. And the way that they achieve their goals is they have 20 to 25 central members that go every single year to this conference. 
and each year another hundred or so are recruited. You have the very cream of the banking industry and the, uh, the CEOs of various huge multinational corporations talking to uh, um, you know, elected members of parliaments from around Europe and America. This is the richest people in the world meeting with key national security NSA people, MI6, European security heads, Von uh, Rumpy of the European Central Bank System and uh, European Union Council. They're all here. They control the issuance of money and credit. This is it. Top of the pyramid. The Canadian connection is huge. Of course, former Prime Minister, we have Pierre Trudeau and John Chrétien and Paul Martin and Stephen Harper. Harper was there in 2003. Just three years later, he becomes Prime Minister of Canada. Alan Gottlieb, former Canadian ambassador to the U.S., is also a member. We asked him about it. He denied it. In 1996, you were at uh, a Bilderberg meeting, and also there was uh, Jean Chrétien and uh, Paul Martin. I don't know if I was at that meeting. I've only been to a few of them. Bilderberg attendees have included Bill Clinton, Ben Bernanke, Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands, Senator Dianne Feinstein, Melinda Gates, Bill Gates' wife and co-founder of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, David Cameron, Rick Perry, and members of the media such as Peter Jennings and Charlie Rose. We see that there is a long line of people out there that are using their intellect to manipulate the masses with what's essentially mind control, public relations, propaganda, whatever you want to call it. Peter Manfridge of the CBC's The National is also a Bilderberg uh, member. Heather Reisman, uh, CEO of Chapters and Indigo Books, uh, is in attendance and she obviously can exert a certain influence over the way people think uh, just by owning the amount of bookstores and magazines and newspapers. She's editor of Huffington Post Canada. Then we have former Bilderberg attendee Sean Parker eventually went on at a young age to get recruited by the CIA for a web crawler program that he built. Somewhat of an entrepreneur, Forbes 400, co-founder of Napster, uh, went on to become first president of Facebook. His newest thing is Spotify, uh, which is an attempt to fix what Napster broke. So this guy's kind of profiteering off of both ends and when put together with the right forces, with the right people, um, he has been known to be an agent of disruption. Why should Pamela Harriman, another certifiable cretin, the late now, uh, dominate the Democratic Party with her husband, Avril Harriman, yet another of these stupid, rich uh, oligarchs, right? The stupid sons and daughters of rich men. The Count d'Avignon, Spignu Brzezinski, um, somewhat better shape, right, spry, but uh, also not immortal. Who is going to carry on this oligarchical tradition and in what form in the coming years? And here I would look in particular at Peter Thiel, T-H-I-E-L, actually born in Germany, but now operating primarily in the United States. He is the co-founder of PayPal, became a billionaire through that. He is also a member of the Facebook Board of Directors, meaning that he has a fiduciary responsibility, I think, to some of the people who lost a lot of money on that abortive Facebook IPO. And he has this plan to create uh, extraterritorial offshore colonies. So I can only speculate what that means. 
slavery, prostitution, narcotics, certainly no minimum wage, no health plan, uh, no child labor laws, you name it. In other words, the destruction of civilization as we've known it. You can have Hewlett Packard fire 30,000 people, as they're doing, and you can say the remnants and the scraps can be moved to Thiel's offshore islands. You bring in programmers from India. You can actually use such a place to begin to undercut the salary levels, to drag down the economy in the continental United States even further than it already is. So that is where we're going to end that subsection. Think about what we talk about on this program, especially if you're new, if you are watching on the RVM live stream, and maybe you're just catching a little early, you don't know who Jason Burmis is, and you're like, whoa, what was that? Well, that is a great breakdown of how people within this group have controlled the media for some time, how there are generational nepotistic bloodlines, the stupid sons of daughters, sons and daughters of stupid rich men. Tarpley nails a lot of it there. Peter Thiel, again, somebody we're talking about as a mover and shaker constantly in this quote-unquote post-truth world. Kissinger, you know, as far as the elderly people up there, really the only person kicking it. 99, by the way. So, with that, I took a much different approach, this film. Uh, there's no narration. That's why I interviewed myself uh, for it. Um... The more traditional documentary I had done a few years earlier, released that in 2010, and I think on May 15th, it might have also been on April 15th, now that I think about it. Man, I guess that's just kind of a date for releasing these things. And that is Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined. This was the public face of global governance. However, many other organizations have been birthed since. Even more suspect is a private group called the Trilateral Commission. David Rockefeller and Henry Kissinger are among its some 300 influential members. The Trilateral Commission, rich and powerful business and political leaders from Japan, Europe, and North America. The New York-based policy group was formed in 1973 by Chase Manhattan Bank Chairman David Rockefeller. By the way, the documentation on that is the reason that this was actually created... Rockefeller style was Zbigniew Brzezinski and Rockefeller were on a plane going to Bilderberg that year and they were upset that the Bilderberg establishment which is um, largely you know rich white European people and their descendants and representatives at the time they didn't want to bring in Japanese influence or the Asian influence later on course that happens and especially when we talk asian influence we talk in china influence they created the trilateral commission just for that purpose to bring um, the japanese into this globalist structure in addition to rockefeller there are many other noted american members among them economist alan greenspan former defense secretary harold brown george bush was once a member but resigned last year before his unsuccessful presidential campaign back then it wasn't politically wise to be aligned with what his party's right wing considered a shadow world government the united nations would take over america 
the Trilateral Commission would control the world. Just look at its membership, they say. Current and former members include Presidents Clinton, Bush, and Carter. Names like Brzezinski, Christopher, Kissinger, and Schultz. And top executives of ITT, Xerox, Exxon, and Nations Bank. Although this group with only 300 members seems to be at the apex of the power structure, there is yet another group formed in 1954 that is even smaller in number and has a greater influence on world events. Meet the Bilderberg Group. This elite group meet annually around the globe. There is a core group of members who have attended every year for decades, such as David Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger, and Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands. These members invite others who are politically and socially relevant at the time. Each year, around 140 people are in attendance. Documents released by the group in 2001 reveal that in September of 1955, the group met in Germany and covertly outlined the idea of a European Union. Section E, European Unity, discusses the general support for European integration and unification and the idea to unify Germany once again with the rest of Europe under a common marketplace. Belgian Viscount and current Bilderberg chairman Etienne Davignon told the EU Observer in 2009 that the next Bilderberg meeting could improve understanding on future action in the same way it helped create the Euro in the 1990s. This illustrates the patience, vision, and reach of this organization. It was able to promote and establish both the European Union and a European currency over the course of just under 40 years, incrementally. One of the things that the um, elitists discussed back at the turn of the century when they were talking about how do you convert the United States into a collectivist system was the fact that you can't do it quickly. You have to let people get used to it incrementally because any major change would be rejected. The 1957 Conference of Rome, where the Common Market Treaty, providing for free trade in all products, was at last signed. Six nations, France, Germany, Italy, Belgium, Holland, and Luxembourg, agreed to remove all mutual barriers to trade within 12 to 15 years, the embryo of a political union which they proclaimed to be their ultimate objective. In that fashion, it's possible for people to get used to this process and even to think it's a good thing. People will accept uh, the gradual uh, growth of government, the gradual loss of their purchasing power. Uh, they'll accept almost anything if it's done gradually. And we have to be very alert to that. 2008 and 2009 attendees include World Bank President Robert Zolik, Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner, former head of British Secret Intelligence Richard Dearlove, Donald Graham, CEO of the Washington Post, CNN host and author of The Post-American World, Fareed Zakaria, 
and many other giants of business, politics, and media. You just came back from meeting with the Bilderberg Group. The Bilderberg Group are, you know, I, when, when people who are conspiracy theory, theory people, I, they send me mail, it's usually about the Bilderberg Group. And I get these books on my front door, which I'm uncomfortable with, but, and it's all about the Bilderberg, like they're the modern day Illuminati. Are you a member of the Bilderberg Group? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to talk about this. Many have identified them as the kingmakers, the puppet masters that pull the strings behind the scenes. Perhaps there is no better example of this than what occurred during the 2008 conference. Immediately after Obama had been selected as the Democratic presidential nominee, the pressure was on to choose a running mate. We've put together a committee. We are going to uh, be equally deliberative in how we move forward. And we're not going to do it in the press, or we're not going to do it through surrogates. He then tricked the press corps into staying on the plane as it took off from Washington. He was whisked away to an undisclosed location. Uh, Obama was supposed to fly home. He'd been here in Virginia. He was supposed to fly home out of Dulles, uh, as you know, outside Washington, D.C. Uh, the press corps was waiting for him on the plane, and uh, the pilot announced that they were leaving, and Barack Obama was not on the plane. Presumptive nominees in the past has always been that they have the, at least a press pool with them at all times. Is there a reason why we didn't go with him in the motorcade all the way? Um, this is what we're out here for, and now we're on this plane with no candidate. Again, uh, you know, he, look, these, the, I, I understand he, he uh, there was a, a desire to do these meetings, obviously, in private. The press then began to report that Obama and Hillary were meeting secretly in her home. Well, we continue to follow our breaking news. Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton meeting tonight at her house in Washington, D.C. However, it was later revealed that they never actually met at Clinton's home. And we're following this breaking story. Candy Crowley, we understand has new information. Candy, what have you learned? Uh, we are hearing actually from Chris Welsh, who is our embed with the Obama campaign. Those are the people that took off uh, without Obama and went to Chicago. Uh, the spokesman there is, in fact, confirming that the meeting did take place. They're talking in past tense now, uh, but saying that the meeting did not take place at the Clinton's house. Uh, it took place at, at this point at some place, I don't know where, some undisclosed uh, place in Washington, D.C., not at Hillary Clinton's house. Remember Gibbs mentioned that Obama had a desire to have several meetings, not just one. Is there more than one meeting? Is there more than one person with whom I'm not going to get into all the details of the meetings. I, I, I don't know that I've got a ton more different answers for all of your questions. The truth of the matter is that Bilderberg just happened to be in the neighborhood at the time. They were holding their annual meeting just down the road in Chantilly, Virginia. What are the chances? What's interesting and dangerous about the New World Order is that it's not a natural progressing idea. It's just not civilization naturally evolving and organizing into this system. It's the group of extremely powerful people that are manipulating the system to get it to this status from behind the scenes without anybody's knowledge. You have to ask yourself if there isn't an agenda going on to keep those organizations quiet and to keep them out of the news, to keep the discussions about them behind closed doors, then why is it that these supposed experts on the left and on the right never talk about them? This has been a condensed history of the globalist organizations and their rise to power. But is there a reason they meet behind closed doors? A shadow world government has been mentioned, but to truly understand what that means, let's go back to this iconic warning from President Dwight D. Eisenhower. 
And, you know, Jones in the other film mentions that. I want to point out that in 2008, when all that occurred with the dicka dicka do and the magic Obama, and all of a sudden he might have been a a uh, undercover guest or having private meetings with members of the group, guess who was on the list? Can you can you take a few guesses? Can you? This is the the Wikipedia page for the 2008 participations. Hillary Clinton was there. You know who else was there? Huh? Huh? Where is he? Oh, there he is. The Kush Kush. I mean, big names there. Jared Cohen. Uh, big deals. Big. De this is just the Americans right here that I'm in. Uh, Wilbur Ross. A lot of people point out Wilbur Ross's relationship to Trump, by the way. Uh, Paul Volcker over there. Zolik constantly there. And Zolik actually, I, I got a word from when there was like nobody outside of the 2017 Bilderberg conference. And he just he just wanted to the thing is that you get insane people around there. Sandy Berger there, by the way, in 2008. Sandy Berger, somebody who was literally caught. You talk about how they don't prosecute anybody. A cartoon level style. Okay? Sandy Berger 911 documents. Huh? Let's see. Theft of, we were talking about classified documents. Oops, I must have accidentally stuck this down my pants. By the way, uh, Berger, no longer with us. That's the uh, 2008, but come on. Sandy Berger, just former Clinton aide pleads guilty to taking classified documents. They, they swept that one right under the rug. Pleads guilty, dies. Pleads guilty, dies. Pleads guilty at the end of the year, wraps it up in a nice bow when he dies. Or beginning of the year, pleads guilty. End of the year, dead. Beginning of the year, pleads guilty. End of the year, dead. <laughs> and and listen, Berger was a mover and shaker. You don't go. You don't get invites to the Bilderberg conference. Okay, let's just let's read some of this. From the Kate from the Cato Institute. Okay. I, I must have accidentally stuck the wrong papers in my briefcase, hidden them under a construction trailer, come back to get them, and cut them into shreds. This is from the Washington Post. You ready? On the evening of October 2nd, 2003, former White House National Security Advisor Samuel R. Sandy Berger stashed highly classified documents. He had taken from the National Archives beneath a construction trailer at the corner of 9th Street and Pennsylvania Avenue so he could surreptitiously retrieve them later, take them into his office, according, and take them, uh, take them to his office according to a newly disclosed government investigation. The documents he took detailed how the Clinton administration had responded to the threat of terrorist attacks at the end of 1999. No. No, no. It showed the covert network that they set up that we now know about. The intel network that was working with al-Qaeda. Stop. Berger removed a total of five copies of the same document without authorization and later used scissors to destroy three before placing them... Excuse me. Before placing them in his office trash, the National Archives Inspector General concluded in... Uh, in a November 4th, 2005 report. After archives officials 
accused him of taking these documents. Berger told investigators he tried to find the trash collector but had no luck. But instead of admitting he had removed them deliberately by stuffing them into his suit, into his suit pockets on multiple occasions, uh, Berger initially said he had removed them by mistake. Yeah, okay. NSA advisor, Clinton aid, 9-11 documents. What up? What up? And again, that happened in 2003. Talk about the wheels of justice moving pretty slowly. Pretty slowly. Here it is. Uh, when, when was it? Yeah. 2015. For months, he called it an honest mistake. <laughs> uh, guilty, Your Honor. I'm guilty. But again, wasn't a big deal then. The charge of unauthorized removal and retention of classified material is a misdemeanor that carries a maximum sentence of a year in prison and up to a $100,000 fine. However, under a plea agreement that Robinson must accept, instead of jail, Berger uh, would pay a $10,000 fine, surrender his security clearance for three years, and cooperate with investigators. Security clearance allows access to classified government documents. So, there it is. Sentencing uh, for July 8th. Let's see if let's see what the, he got sentenced because I'm sure Sandy Berger 9/11 documents sentencing. Um, find 50 grand and sentenced two years of probation and a hundred hours of community service. Wonder if he got a sweetheart deal there. Come on, give me a break. Because we're talking about slimy people within slimy administrations, if I had to guess, and this is a this is a total guess, by the way, we'll see if I hit it. We'll see if I threw the dart at the dartboard and I hit bullseye or I hit bullshit. Tony Blinken seems like the type of guy you, you've seen military men past. David Petraeus, uh, a staple there for a long time. I'm not sure if he's still going, but Blinken, very capable. Very much promoting the quote-unquote Great Reset, New World Order, collectivist, globalist agenda. And uh, this is a clip of him doing so. So my guess is Blinken might be one of the people at Bilderberg 2023. And I also want to especially thank uh, Governor Polis, Mayor Hancock, not just for your hospitality, but for your leadership as well and bringing us all together. Uh, we picked Denver to host the inaugural City Summit of the Americas in large part because of its track record in addressing global challenges at a local level. And that's really what this summit is all about for us. Global challenges at a local level. This is the uh, urbanized social credit, credit score, carbon credit score, 15-minute city agenda. Okay, this is, they're bringing it to the United States. Blinken's telling you about it. All right, under the guise of, oh, it's the best thing ever in sustainability. Oh, we care, we love, we love and we care, and we're going to fix the problem. I'm so thrilled to be joined by literally hundreds of mayors and governors, tribal and other indigenous leaders, along with dozens of networks which support them, like ECLAY, the U.S. Conference of Mayors, C40 Cities Group. We also want to welcome the many representatives of civil society and the private sector who are here with us today. 
If you go back to last June, leaders from across our hemisphere came together in Los Angeles for the ninth Summit of the Americas. We agreed to ambitious commitments on issues that actually matter in the lives of all of our citizens. Migration, climate change, democratic governance, sustainable, inclusive economic growth. Each of you, as city leaders, are on the front lines of tackling these global challenges. You're welcoming and integrating migrants into your communities. You're planning for and responding to natural disasters made more frequent by the climate crisis. You're addressing the issues that are facing your residents from law enforcement. I mean, everything's here. Sustainability, climate crisis, all of it. Every talking point. This guy checks a lot of boxes, everybody. He checks a whole lot of boxes. Challenges like ransomware to public health crises like the COVID pandemic. Your efforts, day in, day out, are helping us make progress on the commitments that we made as countries in Los Angeles. Cities, when you come down to it, are where democracy is closest to its people. And when cities are responsive to the needs of residents, they demonstrate democracy's greatest strength, its ability to improve on itself, to empower citizens to hold their leaders accountable, to try out different solutions, and to allow the best ideas to rise to the top. We're hosting the City Summit of the Americas because our collective ability to deliver for our people. Collective ability. It's all about collectivism. Again, another reason I played those clips from my films trying to explain to people that that's what they want us under. They don't care if you call it socialism or communism. Collectivism. The Borg. The Bilderborg meeting. And to tackle global issues depends on all of you. It's as simple and as straightforward as that. And we look forward to continuing to elevate your voices in every dimension of our work. In the hemisphere, uh, including at the 10th Summit of the Americas, that will be hosted by the Dominican Republic. And it's also why we plan for this to be the first, but not the last, of many city summits to come. Thank you, Tommy. Climate crisis, woo! Sustainability, woo! That guy. I got a funny feeling. I got a gut feeling. Could be wrong. Could be way off. I get things wrong. And we admit when we do. But if I'm if I'm rolling the dice and I'm making a guess, um, I, I'd watch for Blinken to be there for sure. We talked a little bit about the FBI being a Trojan horse civilian system yesterday, or using Twitter as a Trojan horse civilian system. Really, the NSA, the CIA all those intel agencies, foreign and domestic, utilizing private companies to control narratives. Now, this started way before COVID, and people have to acknowledge that, okay? This, I think, is from five or six years ago, and this is the FBI telling you, basically, watch yourself when you post. Think before you post. At the time, I just wasn't thinking. I used social media to vent. I wish I would have thought about the effects of scaring people. I didn't mean for that to happen. People took it as a terrorist threat. The university got shut down. I got arrested by the FBI. And now, I don't know what my future looks like. I search my name on the web almost every day and look at the stuff. 
It's not going away. Think before you post. Think before you post. Now, I have no idea what that person posted because I don't know who they are. But I, I guarantee that one statement is false. If you made a threatening comment, yes, you did want people to be scared. Right? That, that's why you made the threatening comment so that they would have a fearful reaction. All right, now I don't know whether it was a terroristic threat. I don't know if the FBI should have ever gotten involved, but it's think, think before you post. This is a good breakdown of just some of the problems that exist with the FBI in its current iteration. Okay. Um, again, I, I think that the FBI, in many ways, since its inception, was there to protect the predator class only go so far protect the status quo cointel pro in particular uh shows you the lengths at which they will go domestically inside this own country in, in this uh country to go after people that challenge the narrative and wanted true equality not equity for um people of different colors God forbid. It can't be for that, FBI, back in the day, right? Nope, nope, nope. But we got big problems. I mean, again, the Trump-Biden situation, huge problem. The Wiener laptop situation, huge problem. The Epstein situation all the way back in the 90s, huge problemo. I think one of the first things that needs to occur is where that has been perfected in the central decision-making in the Washington field office and in headquarters needs to be de-emphasized. The FBI's authority and decision-making should be decentralized back to field offices around the country. And if there's a supervisory activity to occur in the Department of Justice, it ought to be primarily in the United States Attorney's offices and judicial districts across the country. The, the, the headquarters decision-making should be attenuated. And the other thing I would say is this. If you... I'm on the weaponization subcommittee is intended to be modeled after what you guys may have heard of the, the church committee in the 1970s operated or headed by Frank Church in the Senate from Idaho, big liberal. But it was digging into problems that had been recognized both in the intelligence community more generally and also in the FBI. And out of that effort and a subsequent effort in the Senate to look into how the FBI was doing undercover operations, we've seen lots of reform attempts. The existence of IG, Inspector General's offices, are designed to be a reform to prevent abuses. The Attorney General's guidelines, the so-called DIOG, I can't even know what that acronym stands for, but it's the manual by which the FBI operates. All these things, time after time, we've taken reform steps to respond to problems. We've got uh, specific uh, Attorney General guidelines on the conduct of undercover operations, and yet the Whitmer fednapping plot happens. We have uh, guidelines on the use of confidential human sources, but IG reports time and again say they're being red, roundly abused, and they just go on. That's the what I hear from the American people all the time when they're somewhat skeptical about what we can do in Congress. They say, well, what are you going to do about it? I want to see some people held accountable. And frankly, we're going to need a presidency to see that that happens ultimately. But I am inclined to believe, as I look across the federal enterprise, it's just too damn big. It's too well-funded. I think that, that we actually need to go to the appropriations process, and this is, a, frankly, a, a doctrine that Russ Vote, as much as anybody, has been the author of. We need to defund woke and weaponized government. We must cut their budget. I think it goes way further than that. I like the points that he made about the church committee and the accountability 
and uh, decentralization. But just like he said, there there is no accountability. There is no accountability. Let me repeat, there is no accountability. And there's nothing inconsistent about that for conservatives either. That institution can operate quite robustly and well on a smaller budget, and we won't be talking about building a new headquarters for the FBI that is going to be bigger than the Pentagon. That seems to me lunatic. And yet, seed funding for design of that was provided in the, in the $1.7 trillion omnibus that came out of the Senate and another half billion dollar increase in their operating budget. The message has not been received. But that's, that's, those are the two keys. And what do you think the FBI is going to do once it gets bigger? It's going after you. It's going after the public, the new domestic terrorists. That's why we talk about inside the military's secret undercover army via Newsweek constantly. Because it needs to be talked about. Okay, That's why we point out that the FBI already caught their Russian bots who weren't Russian at all and flipped a bunch of them and still charged a bunch of them and there's still investigations going on. That's when we talk about the Justice Department going after January 6thers and how the Proud Boys aren't really guilty of seditious conspiracy. Okay? Real stuff, McGruff. I got a few stories uh, that I wanted to hit that I didn't hit yesterday. Professor uh, Susharti Baki is charged with incitement and trivialization of the Holocaust for statements he made comparing the COVID-19 vaccination program to the 1930s and 40s Germany. Uh, his hearing is scheduled for May 23rd in Pion, Germany. This is why we can't have thought crimes, folks. They're going after a doctor for speaking the obvious. The obvious. Okay? And telling the truth trivialization of the holocaust like how by comparing what's going on today other than all of a sudden you're not going to acknowledge that what was going on in the past few years was authoritarian was a eugenics operation was hate and lies was a bioengineered virus followed up by a bioengineered solution via darpa our defense department He's 100% right to make those uh, make those connections. 110% right. Nope. Thought crime time. Thought crime time. Going to jail. Thought crime time. We will prevail. The real-life smell-o-vision. Scientists develop a VR headset that blasts odors up your nose while you play games. Not new. Uh, five cents virtual reality. Uh, according to Dennis Bushnell of NASA started to come into being via the Brits and their defense department. Okay, so this is not a new technology, but now they're starting to roll it out, which means it could be commercialized. And, and as I've said before, it's not going to be controllers. It's not just going to be like a haptic bodysuit. You'll be in a haptic room where you're hit with all sorts of waves that read your hands and apply pressure and make you feel like you're there. Integrate that with improved goggles or glasses. Integrate that with this smell-o-vision, if you will. More and more and more like that holodeck experience that they are trying to perfect to bring you into their 
false reality. And eventually, as Kurzweil talks about, uh, inject you with bio nanotech that will shut off your uh, nervous system and eventually, okay, uh, shut off your nervous system and eventually just pump the VR right into you so that you can't really tell what's real and what's VR. Sounds like a great idea. Sounds like a great idea. That super chat said on 106 here, page 106, that this book advocates, this is the, the book on, you know, transgenics, unzipped genes, taking charge of baby making in the new millennium, um, creating babies with both sets of genitalia. So let's see what we get. Um, let's see what we get here. Uh, a transsexual Chinese couple want to have hermaphrodite children so that they can enjoy the pleasures of both sexes. Isn't that love lovely? The portion of the gene sequence that turns on male uh, sexual characteristics is added to a sperm carrying only an X chromosome. The resultant child has both male and female reproductive tracts. Many of these possibilities may seem bizarre to us. New races, hybrid animal humans, or even new sexes, yet they can be created today in other ways. It's just... This is it. This is the takeover. This is the transhumanist agenda based in collectivism. The climate crisis. We have to regulate everything so we can live in a world where you might have both genitals. And you know what? I didn't bring this up, but we'll do it live. You, you don't think things like that are on the horizon. Um, first baby born with three people's genetics. First baby born using DNA from three people. That's this week right here. Boom. Boom. Yes. Everything I just read there, they're, they're trying to implement right now. Right now. It's happening now. We have to be aware now. 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 They're, these people are not playing games, man. Oh, the first babies with DNA from three people have been born in the UK after doctors experimented with an innovative IVF procedure in the hopes that they could prevent the babies from inheriting rare genetic diseases. Fewer than five babies have been born this way in the UK. The Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority confirmed Wednesday. Who knows what they're doing underground? Who knows what they've done for decades via these bioengineering black programs? The United States... Europe, Russia, um, any first world military nation. That's what's really going on. And we talk about technology being upward mobility in shade. That's why they want to compartmentalize and control the technology. Because it is upward mobilization. I discussed the plans for the ectolife pods, the baby making pods, with Simon Esler yesterday in the second hour of the broadcast. Hopefully you were tuning in for that as well. Powerful interview. Powerful interview. The technique, which is called mitochondrial uh, donation treatment, MDT, uses tissues from the eggs of healthy female donors to create IVF embryos without harmful mutations mothers would otherwise pass on to their children, The Guardian first reported. Legislation passed in 2015 made the UK the first country to permit the procedure. Which women with problems linked to mitochondria, the energy-producing structures outside of a cell's nucleus, from passing defects out of the... Again, 
It's benevolence. We're solving a problem. We love you. We love you. Take the shot. Take the second shot. Take the third shot. Take the fourth shot. Take the fifth shot. Take the shot every six months to a year. We love you. We love you. Mutilate your children's genitals. We love you. The, the new transgender ideology out of the UN. It's, it's, all, it's almost cartoon level every time I read this, but I have to. Because this is, this is the science right now. Okay, Th This right here, I want people to understand. This is the science. A transgender or trans person may identify as a man, a woman, a trans man, a trans woman, as a non-binary person. And with other terms such as hydra, third gender, two-spirit, travesty, fa-a-fa-fine, fa-a-fa-fine. I mean, you... <sighs> but we're not done. We're not. We got to read more. Gender queer, transpanoi, mukes, waria, and meti. Oh, meti. Kind of like meta. And in this, they're not only giving you more than a handful, more than a mouthful of genders. What? And, and pun intended. Uh, they're telling you they're going to protect the youth. They're telling you there's new science. There's no new science. They're not protecting anybody. They don't care about people. They don't care about people. I want the United Nations out of the U.S. and the U.S. out of the United Nations. And... The United Nations in particular gets a pretty good section in Shade the Motion Picture just prior to the section we watched with the Trilateral Commission and the Bilderberg Group because the United Nations is the vehicle, okay, um, the unqualified vehicle, the, the vehicle that's supposed to not have any real power but does, to which global governance can accelerate. And come into fruition. United Nations, World Health Organization, Davos, all heads, all heads of the transgender Hydra. <laughs> That's Hydra, not Hydra. I know, I get it. But the, the, this is a very real thing, and this is the Hydra. I promise you, promise you. Did I have one more story that I didn't get to? Just make sure I got to all of them. Oh, yeah, this one I want to. Glenn Greenwald's politician husband, David Miranda, dies age 37 after a nine-month intensive care battle. Journalist pays heartbreaking tribute to father of their two children and the strongest, most passionate, most compassionate man I've known. Uh, I feel terrible for Greenwald. Pancreatitis, apparently. Now, I'm not, first of all, a really young guy. Um gastrointestinal infection who knows what's going on there but pretty quick death or not quick death uh pretty painful when i say quick certainly painful over the seven months but once diagnosed less than a year he 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 lived pancreatic cancer is one of those things too like that that's a tough one to come back from uh the numbers are not great <sighs> it, it, it's sad, you know, and um, Greenwald is one of the few journalists out there that tells any semblance of the truth. I, I hope um, that he can get past this and continue to do the great work that he's done for so long. I, I don't want you to rush it, but tough. 
And, and the other thing is Miranda was getting into politics down there too. We, we talk about Brazil and South America. You know, that's, that's where Greenwald lives. So oh, just a few minutes left in the broadcast. I want uh, everybody to know that redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored is where you can get two, count them, two exclusive interviews with myself uh, power-packed interviews, Alicia Powell, Wayne Dupree, this past week. It's how you support the broadcast, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. I need you. I need you now more than ever. If you enjoyed the documentary films I do, consider supporting the broadcast here, even locking it in for a year, saving yourself 20 bucks, getting all the other great material. Getting all the other great material. Lock it in. Come on, folks. Let's get it on over. Bring it on over. Redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Make sure that if you did come over to Rumble, that you're sharing it, uh, thumbsing it up, making comments in the sections, and subscribing to RVM and myself via that platform. We want to grow that platform. Just like I want to grow my Twitter. Just like I'd love to be able to grow YouTube. Good luck. Good luck. Maybe Twitter is going to be that alternative where you can monetize content again. All right? So we need your support. Independent media is important. How many other people? I, uh, look, you know, Rob Dew called me right in the beginning of the program. We were talking about Bilderberg and Lisbon, Portugal. Maybe they're going to be covering that on Jones's program today. But uh, an important an important part uh of the alternative media is absolutely InfoWars. We want to be the true tip of the spear, just like they are on so many issues when it comes to nefarious global activities. So we'll see what happens over the weekend. I imagine the interviews again will be Bilderberg heavy, but I may be doing um, other broadcasts, possibly a mixed martial mindset with uh, John Fitch covering Bilderberg and the attendees. Sorry, guys, I'm getting a little hoof after two hours swallowing here. Going to have to go get some water. It's getting hot in here, too. I got the door open, but I can't really have the fan on because the whizzing bothers me a little while I'm, I'm doing all this. But it is sun shining today. I hope the sun's shining for you. One last pitch. One last reminder. All my documentary films. Loose Change Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, my 9-11 pictures, so important, so relevant to this day. That's why we continually play certain subsections of those films like we did today with Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture. And what? Have them be relevant now. Collectivism, climate crisis, control the masses, nepotism secret meetings, all stuff that we need to be concerned with, all stuff that we need to tell others about so that we can't, so that we don't just wallow in ignorance, that we realize ignorance is not bliss, that we do have to take action and that you too can become your own hero and so can your neighbor. Stick around. Chad Canton is next. Apparently he's fired up along with a great slew of other hosts 
I am Jason Burmis. It is not about left or right. It's about right and wrong. I love you guys, and I will see you all on the flip side.